0: We're in chapter 8, verse 1. And the verse says, kel Shlomo Israel. And Shlomo gathered then the elders of Israel, and he gathered Kol Rashematot, which is all the heads of the tribes, and the Siavot live in Israel, and all the heads and the leaders of the ancestral families of the children of Israel. Elmel Shlomo, they all gathered to the king Shlomo. To Jerusalem, Laalot et Aron to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of God, meet ir David Hitzion, from the city of David, which is Zion. So you we see in this verse that Shlomo now is going to take the ark with the rest of the leaders of Israel, and they're going to bring it up, like it says, Lahalot. They're going to bring it up to Harabiat to the Temple Mount from Ir David. It's called Ir David because David conquered it back in Shmuel Bet chapter 5 when he conquered it from the evil sides, Jerusalem. That's called the city of David. And the ark up to this point was in the city of David. David had brought it there himself. But now that Shlomo has completed the temple, all that's left now is to take the ark, the holy ark, which is the focal point of the entire temple, which is the essence of the temple, which is the soul to the body of the temple, Shlomo's gonna take that now and bring it into the Holy of Holies on the Temple Mount. And certainly this is the highlight of the ceremony where we um, bring the nucleus, the 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 ark which holds the Ten Commandments and the Torah, we bring that into the temple. And because it's a because it's such a joyous occasion, the verse opens with Azyakh Hil. It opens with the word then Chazal teaches us when you open a verse with then, as in Hebrew, then it's joyous. As it says, as yashir Moshe, during the Song of the Sea, when the Jews rejoice over the drowning of the Egyptians and the splitting of the Red Sea, we also open up with then, as Yashir Moshe. Here also, as yakel shlomo. certainly it's a joyous occasion as we, the pinnacle of the temple now is on the way where we're going to have a procession where we bring the Holy Ark to its proper place in the Holy of Holies on the Temple Mount. So it continues in verse 2, And they gathered to Shlomo all the men of Israel, during the, the month of Eitanim, during the Chag, which is the seventh month. So the month of Eitanim, we know, is the Hebrew month of Tishrei, and the original Hebrew name was called Eitanim, just like we saw Er was called Ziv, and Cheshvan was called Bul, we saw those names. The original Hebrew name of Tishrei was Eitanim, and why Etanim? Because Eitanim means strong, or firm, and on the, on the month of Tishrei, we have those three major Jewish holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Shemini Atzeret, And that's the time when the Jew becomes strong and complete, and he's mitchazek in his mitzvahs, and, and he becomes a better Jew. And so we call it Eitanim, it becomes Eitan. That's the original Hebrew um, name of the month. And it says Bachag, which is literally means on the holiday, but we know that that's a code word for the holiday of Sukkot. When they say Chag, usually in the Gomorrah, they're talking about the holiday of Sukkot. because during the Temple days that was such a, such a festive holiday that it's abbreviation for Sukkot. So this all took place on Sukkot in the month of Tishrei. And it says in verse 3, So verse 3 says, all the elders of Israel came and the Kohenim carried the ark now, this is very important, that They the Kohenim have to carry the Ark, and they have to carry it properly by the staves, by the um, badim, or the metal poles that protrude from the Ark, that are, that are hooked onto the Ark, they carry it that way. And David, when he brought the Ark, tragedy struck when they didn't carry it properly, and the Cohen Uzzah was struck down for putting on a wagon, Here, they do it the proper way, and the Kohanim are carrying the Ark. So it says in verse 4, So it says that they brought the Ark of Hashem, but not just the Ark, as we mentioned, but they also brought all the other items that were part of the Mishkan, we're talking about the staves and the bars and the pegs and the beams and so forth. They brought all that as well. All those sacred vessels, they brought it, also the Kohen of to the temple. So what happened here is that along with the Ark, we have the other parts of the temple, the uh, Mishkan, the tabernacle that was used in the desert. And most of that is already obsolete because now Shalom was built a permanent temple. And so, beside from the Ark... They basically have nothing much to do now with the rest of the Mishkan, that portable tabernacle that we use in the desert, but because it's so holy and sacred, and it was built in the days of Moses by the architect Bitzalel, they're going to take it and they're going to put it in the vicinity of the temple area in the Gneza. So that's what, that's what verse 4 is teaching us. We go on to verse 5. So it says that Shlomo and the entire assembly with him, they were before the ark, and they're dancing before the ark, offering sheep and cattle, too abundant to be numbered or counted. That's the expression we saw before. Such an abundant amount of sacrifices were being offered that term we saw used for the number of offspring that was promised to Abraham that he was supposed to have descendants that were, not, were so many that w- could not be counted that we saw back when Abraham was sitting under the stars. And that's also a description of Shlomo's wisdom that it's as numerous, too numerous to even count. So we have the expression used again now for the sacrifices that are being offered as they do this procession from Ir David to the Temple Mount. And on the way, they're offering sacrifices, stopping, offering sacrifices, stopping and offering sacrifices. Kind of like today, when they do a, a they bring it into a shul. Many times they have this parade or this procession and they stop along the way and they shoot off some fireworks. They go a little bit more, shoot off some more fireworks. All that is kind of a, 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 a zecher or a, a remembrance to what's happening here when they bring the Ark to its proper place, the Holy of Holies on the Temple Mount and it says the word Mizabchim instead of the usual word is the Hipper word the PL form in Hebrew the grammar teaches us that the PL form of the verb is like the Hipper that means it's a lot and a lot and a lot of sacrifices being sacrificed as they go along the way and it says in verse 6 Vayiviyu akonim etaron brit Hashem el mekomo." And they, the Kohanim brought the Ark to its place, El Dvir, to the Dvir, which we said is the area of the Holy of Holies, El Kodesh Kodeshim, to the Kodesh Kodeshim, to the Holy of Holies, El Tachat Kanfei HaKruvim, to the Cherubim, whose wings are over the Ark. So we have in verse 6, uh, four times the word to, to the place, to the Dvir, to the Holy of Holies, to the place where the cherubim's wings are. Of course, this picture of the ark I accompanied with the shior, that the ark had these two these two staves protruding from it, and it also had the cherubim over it. And that's what's being described here, but what's interesting is the preciseness of where they placed it. And that's why in verse 6 you have four times the word two, two and two, because the exact place where the aron was put is critical because the place that it was placed was at the foundation stone which is the Ashtiyah. and that's really the whole reason why Shem chose this area Harabayat, and this and this particular place for the ark because that's the foundation stone the stone from where the world was created from that's the holiest place in the world and that's why this preciseness where they put that ark. That's why we have this exactness outlined in verse 6. And unfortunately today, the Dome of the Rock, a mosque stands there, and that's another story. So, even though it seems like a simple matter that Shlomo placed the ark inside the um, Holy of Holies, Chazal teaches us in Masechet uh, Shabbat, page 30, that it wasn't such an easy task. According to the, the sages there in chapter th- sh- um, uh, page 30 in Masechet Shabbat, that when Shlomo tried to bring the Aron into the temple, the gates closed. The gates stayed tight shut and did not allow him to place the Ark in its location. And it's, it says that Shlomo recited Psalms 24 where he invokes and he prays to Hashem please Hashem raise your gates and let the king of glory come through as it says in Psalms 24 let the king of glory come through and he he tries over and over again the Gomorrah explains to bring that ark into its proper place but the gates are remaining tightly shut he cannot open the gates he finally says in order to get the gates to open, he says, do it for your, for my father David. Do it for David, your faithful servant, for your anointed. And only then did the gates open up for him and he was able to put the Ark in the Holy of Holies. So what's going on here? The sages teach us in that same Gomorrah that Shlomo was considered still to be not worthy of having the divine presence reign in the temple that he built because he came from Batsheva. He was born to Batsheva and that was David's sin back in the book of Shmuel that we mentioned earlier that because of that union and it was a sin and Shlomo is a result of that union that the people looked at Shlomo, many of them anyway, as somebody not worthy to have the divine presence shine during his reign. And therefore, this doubt, these detractors were constantly thinking that Shlomo and David as well were unworthy and only when Hashem opened the gates, only when he opened the gates to let the Ark through, only then the people realized that indeed David's sin was forgiven and Shlomo was legitimate and so we see we see uh, something that You only can understand from the sages that it wasn't so easy being David and Shlomo after the Batshever episode. And it wasn't uh, an episode that remained in the courtyard of the king, but was out there in the public eye. And you can now understand possibly how the uh, Avshalom revolution was done. Because when you look at the verses there, you don't see how Avshalom was able to gather so many people against his father just because he was handsome and charismatic, as the verses say, why would he be able to so quickly get this huge rebellion, the majority of Am Israel against his father? But now we understand that after the Batshever episode, which was right before that, obviously David's polls in the, David's uh, numbers in the opinion polls were way, way down, and the and it was ripe for the taking. And that's why Avshalom was able to succeed. And Sheva ben Bichri later on in his rebellion almost succeeded. So it wasn't so simple. After that Batsheva episode for David and Shlomo, as we see even in Shlomo's time, there were still detractors. And, now, and, and so Chazal's teaching I that only when those gates opened did people know that David was forgiven for the story of Batsheva. Verse 7 for the cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim covered over the ark and its poles from above. So that you can clearly see from the picture that accompanies accompanies the shior. You see the ark, you see the staves or the poles, or in Hebrew they're called badim, coming out of the aron, and the cherubim, the kruvim or the cherubs, hover above the ark. And so all that was in the Holy of Holies, And then we have a very interesting verse here that they extended the staves. In other words, when when the ark was inside its Holy of Holies, that it says they extended the poles so that the tips of the poles were noticeable upon the partition from the sanctuary, but were not showing on the outside and they remain there to this very day. So what's going on? When they put the ark in the Holy of Holies, that the partition between the holy and the holy of holies was permanently opened because those poles were sticking out. They were protruding into the curtain. And so as the ark, as they, they pushed against the curtain and didn't go through it. So if you view it from the sanctuary, from the sanctuary itself, you'll see the tips of these poles, like two bumps in the curtain because, because it was beyond the space of the holy of holies these poles were sticking out. So that's what that verse is saying. And it's a very, very odd, odd situation as if it doesn't fit in there. But obviously, there's something very deep going on here. And according to the sages, God established that the poles should stretch that far. That they protrude into the partition there between the Holy and Holy of Holies. And it was supposed to protrude like a woman's breasts. And whoever passed by would always remember the lesson that the fierce love between God and the Jewish people is compared to the love between a man and a woman. So they would look by and see the poles compared to a woman's breasts. And to teach us that our love for Hashem is also supposed to be just the way we think about somebody we're in love with or a fiancé, the Rambam says, that you're always thinking about her all the time. That feeling was created... So we feel the way towards Hashem. And therefore, those poles, those badim, were constantly protruding to the curtain to look like two women's breasts. And this is brought up, by the way, in Song of Songs, chapter 113, in Masechah Menachot 98. You can check it out for yourself. And the other point that should be made about the poles, very interesting, that the poles, they could never be removed from the ark. Those poles you see, or oh, they're called badim, in Hebrew, and God established that these ark poles must remain constantly inside the rings, and it was forbidden to remove them. And why is that? Well, we have to remember that these poles had tremendous significance, that there were times that Hashem would do miracles, where he would gather all the Jewish people, 600,000 of men and women, children, and put them between the poles, and would speak to them. And that's to show God's dominion or his control over the laws of nature over time and space. And other miracles happen with these poles. That's when we cross the Jordan River. It says that the Kohanim, how did they cross the Jordan? Not like everybody else, but they actually held on to these poles and the Aron and the Ark carried them over the Jordan River to teach us, as the uh, sages say, that even though they may, be, they may be carrying the poles or the ark, the ark is actually carrying them. And therefore, every time the Kohanim would carry the ark, they had to do it by these motot, by these poles, by these badim, to teach us that even though they're carrying the ark, remember, the ark carries you. And that's all that the significance of the ark and the poles, as you see in the accompanying picture. Finally... We'll go to the next verse. And it says that nothing was in the ark but the two stone tablets that Moses placed there in Horeb when he made a covenant with the children of Israel when they left the land of Egypt. So the simple understanding is that they're telling us what was contained in the ark. Nothing was in there but those two stone tablets. They're talking about the Ten Commandments. That's what was in the ark. But even in English, you could see it's kind of a double negative. And in Hebrew, according to the Malbim, this is a very strong double negative. And you know two negatives mean a positive. It says in Hebrew, Ein ba'aron rak shnei lochot That there was nothing in the aron, only two, state, uh, only two um, stone tablets. And therefore, when you have a double negative like that, that comes to teach us there was something else in the aron. And what else was there? So we know that the Sefer Torah, the original Sefer Torah, was as well in the Holy of Holies, in the Aaron. And we know two other things. That if you go back to Pasha Korach, at the end of the Pasha, when Hashem wanted to do a, a sign, a miracle, to show that Aaron is legitimate Kohen, and he was appointed by Hashem to be the Kohen after the re- rebels doubted it in the story of Korach, that he took the staff of Aaron and he made it sprout uh, buds and almonds on that, on that staff. And it says there that Hashem said to Moshe to bring the staff of Aaron before the testimony as a safekeeping. And so, we, and so the sages tell us that that as well, that staff of Aaron as well was also in the Aaron. In addition, if you remember the story of the manna, that came from heavens for 40 years, that gave sustenance to the Jewish people, that's in Shemot, in Exodus uh, chapter 16, there as well it mentions that Moses should take this manna, put it in a jar, and keep it as a sign for generations, as a safekeeping, as a sign, so we remember the miracle that Hashem sustained us for 40 years. And the sages tell us that as well was in the Aaron, in the ark, And that's why we have this double negative in our verse that there was nothing there but but that's coming to tell us there was something else. And we'll stop right here.